If you're someone uh, who likes taking notes in the info sheet, um, there's not so much an outline going through the talk, but some uh, points that I think would be helpful to think through. So you might like to write something on that. How about we pray before we get into this? Dear Father, we thank you so much for who you are uh, and what you've done for us. We thank you that you are the creator and sustainer of life. Uh, we praise you as the true and living God who gives us everything we have. Uh, we thank you most of all for the Lord Jesus and that in him and in his life, death and resurrection, he's won for us forgiveness. Uh, we thank you so much for that. We know we don't deserve it. But as we think about uh, your forgiveness of us uh, tonight and in particular with this passage, uh, please change us uh, to be people who gratefully forgive others because of what you've done for us. Amen. Uh, when it comes to hard things to say, uh, this tongue twister that's going to come up on the screen, I think is right up there with the most difficult. The sixth sick sheik's sixth sheep is sick. It's pretty tricky, isn't it? Like, if you say it slow enough, you can get it out, but if you really try and say it fast, it's near impossible. And so the Guinness Book of World Records thinks so too. Uh, it's the hardest tongue twister in the world to say, according to them. But there are other things that are hard to say too, aren't they? Like this place name from New Zealand, which has 85 letters. Anyone been to New Zealand and actually been to this place? No? Haven't seen the sign? Um, I'm not even going to have a crack at pronouncing it, but the name gets shortened to uh, Tamata for ease of pronunciation. Good call, right? Uh, tongue twisters, names, what about phrases or sentences? Here's a phrase that is sometimes the hardest thing in the world to say. I forgive you. I forgive you. Sometimes that's the hardest thing to say, especially if we've been deeply hurt by someone or wronged by someone, perhaps time and time again. And although it's not that hard to get your tongue around saying the actual words, what is hard is saying it and actually meaning it from the heart. Because forgiveness is just not something that comes naturally to us, is it? When someone wrongs us, there are basically four different responses that we can make. Uh, first, we can become angry with them and just write them off, ignore them and have nothing more to do with them. Uh, second, we can still relate to them in some sense, but just be bitter and cold and hold a grudge against them. Uh, third, we can retaliate and take revenge, pay them back for what they've done or said to us. Or fourthly, we can humbly forgive them, forgive the wrongdoing that they've done towards us and not count it against them. Four possible responses and forgiving them is the hardest one of the lot. Uh, the first three all responses all come quite easily to us, don't they? It's easy to become angry and ignore someone. Generally, we're pretty good at that. It's easy to be bitter and hold a grudge. That comes naturally. It's easy to want to take revenge. Why? Because we're hurt. And it makes us feel justified, better somehow. It seems right. It seems fair. The world says that they deserve it. 
The world says judgment is for now. Do it. I noticed on the internet a while ago that there are actually a number of websites such as revengeunlimited.com and payback.com which actually provide people with ideas and tips and advice to help people take revenge on someone. I mean, it's crazy, isn't it? But becoming angry, ignoring someone, being bitter, holding a grudge, taking revenge, they're all the ways of the world, aren't they? That's what we see on TV, that's what we see in the movies, that's what we see in life around us all the time. And they come naturally to us. They come quite easily to us because that is how our sinful nature responds when someone wrongs us or sins against us. But forgiveness, that doesn't come naturally to us. And so it's the hardest way of the lot to respond. Uh, The passage that we're looking at um, today, as I've said already, is all about forgiveness. And in this section, Jesus teaches his disciples what life, look like, what life looks like under kingdom authority, what life in the kingdom of God actually looks like. And in verses 21 to 25 that we're looking at, Jesus teaches his disciples, he teaches us what our attitude should be to those Christian brothers and sisters who wrong us, who sin against us. And we read in verse 21, if you've got your sheet or your Bible there, Then Peter approached him and asked, Lord, how many times must I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? As many as seven times? Apparently the consensus among the Jewish rabbis was that a brother or sister might be forgiven a repeated sin three times and three times only. Uh, On the fourth, there's no forgiveness, like four strikes and you are out. So perhaps Peter thought that he was, you know, being big-hearted and generous, uh, suggesting up to seven times in answer to his own question. But what he really may have been asking was, when can I treat that person as I think they deserve? And Jesus answers him in verse 22, I tell you, not as many as seven, but 70 times seven. Uh, Jesus' point is, of course, don't keep count. Don't keep a tally of how many times you forgive someone, but rather be extravagant in your forgiveness. Not revengeunlimited.com, but forgivenessunlimited.com. From verse 23, Jesus goes on to tell a parable about what our attitude to forgiveness should and shouldn't be like. We know it as the parable of the unmerciful servant. And in the first half of the parable, from verses 23 to 27, Jesus explains the way of the kingdom of heaven. Have a look there, verse 23. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants, Jesus says. And we read that as the king began to settle his accounts and the debts of his servants, This bloke is brought in who owes him 10,000 talents. Now, a talent was equivalent to about 20 years' wages for a labourer. So in today's terms, uh, Australian dollar at the minimum wage, I make that roughly about $960,000. That's one talent. 
This guy owed him 10,000 talents. So in today's terms, again, minimum wage, Australian dollar, it's roughly about $9.6 billion. There's no way that this servant has or can pay back that amount of money. So his master orders that he, his wife, his kids, everything be sold uh, to pay off the debt. Everything he has. Now, selling the, ser- uh, the servant, his family and possessions, do- it doesn't mean the debt is cancelled. Such a debt, 10,000 talents, couldn't possibly be covered by selling the family into slavery. But rather, in this parable, it really highlights the servant's plight, the desperate situation that he's in. And so, verse 26, he falls on his knees and begs his master to be patient with him and promises to pay everything back. $9.6 billion? It's an impossibility. And we read in verse 27 that the servant's master amazingly, graciously, had compassion, released him, and forgave him the loan. So we see in these verses that uh, what we see in these verses is the way of the kingdom. The pattern of the kingdom is mercy, it's grace, extravagant forgiveness. That's the way of the kingdom. But in the ne- very next verses, we see in the actions of the servant who has just been greatly forgiven, not the not the way of the kingdom but rather the way of the world. Uh, From verse 28 onwards, we read that the very same servant, he's just had his 10,000 talent debt cancelled, goes out, finds one of his fellow servants who owes him 100 denarii, grabs him, begins to choke him, demands that this fellow uh, servant pay him back what he owes him. Now, denarius was equivalent to about a day's wage. So again, today's terms, minimum wage Australian dollar, 100 denarii would be equivalent to roughly $16,000, which is still a lot of money, right? But compared to $9.6 billion, it's nothing. His fellow servant was unable to pay back the money, so he too falls on his knees and begs him, be patient with me and I'll pay you back. Uh, notice that the fellow servant falls on his knees too and utters nearly the exact same words that he himself had spoken not so long before. Yet rather than showing mercy like he had been shown, the servant's response to his fellow servant is one of revenge and payback, the way of the world. He refused to grant the servant's plea, goes off, has the guy thrown into prison until he could pay back the debt. And so there it is, the servant who had his $9.6 billion debt cancelled couldn't bring himself to do the same to a fellow servant who owed him 16 grand. In fact, his actions showed that he wasn't truly grateful. He wasn't truly thankful for the way that his debt had been forgiven and so he didn't gratefully forgive his fellow servant. And we read in verse 31... When the other servants saw what had taken place and the sheer injustice of it, they were deeply distressed and went and reported to their master everything that had happened. Verse 32 and 33, we see the response of the master. Have a look there quickly. The master's angry with the servant, not 
uh, for not having mercy on his fellow servant, just like he'd had on him. In verse 32, he calls him, you wicked servant. And instead of selling both he and his family uh, like he'd originally ordered to happen, he now turns him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay everything that would that was owed, which of course he can never ever do. So in short, the right response would have been for the servant to gratefully forgive his fellow servant because he himself had already been greatly forgiven by his master, but instead he incurs the judgment of the master. See, the point of Jesus' parable, it's easy enough to understand, isn't it? It's easy enough to see. As disciples, followers of Jesus, we have been greatly forgiven by Jesus, our master, and so the right response to Jesus' amazing mercy and gracious forgiveness is for us to gratefully forgive each other, those who sin against us. And that's the big idea of the passage. We ought to gratefully forgive one another because God has greatly forgiven us. Uh, Psalm 103 gives us a great glimpse of just how much God has forgiven us. It's a little bit small, but hopefully you can see it a little bit. Uh, I'm not going to read it all. Verse 3, he forgives all our sin, our iniquity. Verse 4, he redeems our life from the pit. Verse 10, he has not dealt with us as our sins deserve or repaid us according to our iniquities. Verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. And the New Testament goes on to make it even clearer still that at great cost to himself, the death of his own son, God has greatly forgiven us for our rebellion against him. See, in Jesus, God has forgiven all our sin and not dealt with us as we deserve. In Jesus, God has removed our transgressions from us as far as the east is from the west. Which is astounding, isn't it? I mean, where does the east and the west end? No matter where you are, on earth, there's still an east and a west. They just keep going and going and going. God's forgiveness is massive. In Jesus, God has forgiven, cancelled our debt that we could never pay. Uh, in Jesus' parable, the, the amounts mentioned of indebtedness is astronomical, isn't it? 10,000 talents, you know, something like 9.6 billion in today's language. And it seems Jesus is purposefully using hyperbole. He's going over the top to make it absolutely crystal clear to us just how much we've been forgiven by our master, impossible for us to to pay, and how much, therefore, we should forgive a brother or sister who sins against us. Uh, Verse 35 Um, Last verse there, Jesus then nails the point home and further applies it to us. He's referring to uh, verse 34 and the judgment on the servant who was unable to forgive his fellow servant. Jesus says, So also my heavenly Father will do to you unless every one of you forgives his brother or sister from your heart. We need to hear Jesus' warning here. 
Uh, it's absolutely true that we are saved by grace. Yes, thanks be to Jesus for that. But we need to hear Jesus' warning here. Take it on board and forgive each other from the heart. See, we're not simply to give lip service. Uh, there's no place for saying to someone, oh yeah, I forgive you. But then continuing to ignore them, uh, harbouring anger and bitter resentment towards them. We're to forgive from the heart. That is forgiven and really mean it and, and act it out. Let that forgiveness impact our words and actions transforming us. For if we don't forgive people from the heart, then we shouldn't sit comfortably thinking that God will forgive us. Now, the point Jesus is making here is a similar one that he's already made in Matthew. Back in chapter 6, Sermon on the Mount, he's taught his disciples how to pray. And Jesus said to them at the end, in verses 14 and 15, For if you forgive others their offences, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive others, your Father will not forgive your offences. So the point is, if we, like the unmerciful servant, don't show mercy and forgive, then we actually show that we haven't understood, we haven't grasped God's amazing, extravagant forgiveness of us. So if we're unable to forgive others, then we haven't understood the gospel at all and the radical impact that it should make to our lives. So there's no forgiveness for the one who doesn't forgive because their unforgiving spirit bears witness to the fact that they haven't repented and that they haven't understood God's gracious forgiveness of them. They haven't understood the gospel. We have been forgiven far, far, far more than we will ever be called to forgive. Back in 1993, uh, four men burst into St James Church in Kenilworth in Cape Town, South Africa. And these men threw hand grenades, opened fire on the congregation. And 11 members of that congregation sadly were killed and 58 wounded. And there were lots of acts of bravery and sacrifice amongst the congregation with, with people shielding others from the spray of bullets and grenades, some giving their lives to protect others. But what happened next shocked not only South Africa, but the world. You see, when they were interviewed on the news, surviving members who had been injured or lost loved ones openly declared that they forgave the men who did this. They wanted justice to be done, yeah, but they forgave them. Rather than there being judgment or revenge or hatred, there was this overwhelming spirit of forgiveness. And people just couldn't understand it. How could they say that? How could they forgive them? It was because they themselves knew how much they had already been forgiven by God. They were living out the gospel. Back in 2020, Danny and Layla Abdallah, you'll remember this, no doubt, lost three of their children and a niece after the children were run down by a drunk driver while walking to get ice cream. 
Uh, the children died after they were struck by this out-of-control uh, ute, mounted the footpath in Sydney's west. Uh, three of their other children were injured, one seriously uh, and permanently. But when interviewed on the news, the Adullahs spoke about how they forgave the drunk driver and have since launched I Forgive Day. How can they say that? How could they do that? Is it humanly possible? You know, you can't fathom the grief and pain that they would have been going through, can you? Someone I know commented at the time that, they, that the Abdullahs must be still uh, not thinking straight in their grief because they can't possibly say that. They can't possibly mean that. They can't possibly forgive the person who did that. How could they? See, it was because they themselves knew how much God had graciously forgiven them. And so they were able to be gracious and forgive this other person, even though they were in so much pain and hurt. They were living out the gospel. Now, perhaps someone has wronged us in some way by something they've said or done, perhaps repeatedly, and it's really hurt us, caused a great deal of pain. A parent, family member, one of your kids, friend at school, brother or sister in our church family. How have we responded to that person? Have we forgiven them from the heart, forgiven them and really meant it, living it out? Or is there still some kind of anger and bitterness and judgment and resentment on our part? So we don't have to look far in the world, do we, to see how unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment just wreak havoc in our relationships with each other. Uh, Also with our mental and physical health and ultimately in our relationship with God. It's just not how we were designed. What is crystal clear in the passage that we've looked at tonight is that if we belong to Jesus, if we belong to the kingdom, We trust and follow Jesus and really understand just how much we have been forgiven. Then it is impossible for us not to forgive fellow brothers and sisters who sin against us in some way. What we see in the passage is there's no place for anger, bitterness, resentment, revenge. No place for writing someone off. Rather, we're to follow and model, live out the way of the kingdom, live out the gospel and show mercy and grace and forgiveness. We ought to gratefully forgive one another because God has has greatly forgiven us. Now, if there is conflict or tension between us and a Christian brother or sister, if there is anger or bitterness, let's ask God to help us, to enable us to take a step forward this week. Maybe it's the very first step you've taken towards forgiveness from the heart. See, we who are forgiven ought to forgive from the heart. Forgive and mean it. Forgive and live it out. Lest that we show ourselves, sorry, lest that we um, actually show that we haven't understood the gospel of grace and just how much we've been forgiven. I want to finish by saying that forgiveness is a massive topic. 
And we've kind of, you know, scratched, scratched a bit of it uh, tonight. Uh, not everything that could have been said has been said. And it can be complicated and difficult and painful and costly. And we don't want to make light of forgiveness or make it sound easy because it's not. And some of us may have been wrongly and deeply hurt, treated appallingly, scarred or maybe still tormented by something that's happened, some abuse or something else that we've experienced in the past. Forgiveness doesn't mean there aren't consequences. Doesn't mean that protections don't need to be put in place. And I want to say, if you've got questions um, from tonight's passage or talk and want to talk to someone or pray with someone or someone to pray for you, or you want to, you think you need to get some help, please speak to a, a Christian friend that you trust and uh, you feel comfortable with. Uh, you can speak to Ed or Chris, Sue Ellen, growth group leader. Um, congregational leader, OEC staff member. Uh, if, it's, if you feel more comfortable, fill in the QR code on the handout and ask to speak with someone. Even might be the first step you've taken towards making that step of forgiveness from the heart. And whatever you say will be treated very confidentially. Let's pray. Dear Father, we're when we look at this passage and see just how much we have been indebted to you and how much you've forgiven us, it's astounding. Lord, we know that our sin is great, our rebellion against you, ignoring you, wanting to put ourselves as number one instead of you, and yet you have been extravagant in your mercy and grace and forgiveness of us. We thank you for the Lord Jesus and what you've won for us in his life, death and resurrection. Help us to be so grabbed by that. Help us to be so joyful and thankful for that. Help us to be so grateful that we are able to gratefully forgive our brothers and sisters who sin against us because we know that you have greatly forgiven us. And Lord, we know that sometimes that is hard. That's really hard. And so we pray that you would help those of us who need help to get the help we need, uh, to talk about it, to pray about it, uh, perhaps even to seek more help. But help us to encourage each other, Father, as we seek to live out the gospel, to forgive each other from the heart. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.